0: So Holy Spirit, would you just continue to presence yourself among us this morning. We know that you're here, but we want you to just increase and intensify yourself, that we would know without a shadow of a doubt that you're in this room today, that we would feel you, that we would know you, that our hearts would be transformed, our lives would be transformed, and God, we would walk out, walk out different than we came in. Come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You have full reign in this place. You're our guest. You're our friend. You're the one that we need more than anything else in this world. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. You may be seated. You'll find if you come here to Vineyard uh, at all, if you're just checking us out this morning, you're very, very welcome. We, we consider it an honor that you would come and honor us with your presence, that you would take a risk and come in here. Not that it's really a risk, but there's some people out there that would be risky to associate yourself with. Um, I'm joking, by the way. Um, but you'll hear us talk a lot about this, this message called the kingdom of God, which is central to what we believe here at Vineyard. It's actually central to how we view the ancient scriptures, how we read scriptures, how we look at the story of God. And next week, if you come back, episode one, part two, next week, we are going to talk about the grand story of God. And we'll take a journey right through the book of the Old Testament, right into the New Testament to let you see that there's a bigger story. That's next week. So there's one thing that shapes us, our values, how we do life. It shapes what we do. shapes what we believe. Absolutely everything that we do is not done here by chance. You may, you may think that. I had a friend the other week I was talking to at a football match, and he says, you know, we were talking, we usually end up talking about, I usually end up talking about this Jesus everywhere I go, but we were talking about church, and he says, I hate organized religion. And I said, great, there's a good chance you'll be at the vineyard because we're the most disorganized people on the planet. <laughs> not really. But we are intentional about viewing the scriptures and practicing the way of Jesus and how we practice is formed out of this belief, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Now, you might be familiar with it, you may not, but I'm going to go slowly, rigorously through this teaching of the kingdom of God because it was Jesus' central message. Actually, a hundred times the story of the kingdom is found in the ancient gospel writings. In fact, if we're going to be really specific, hundred and six times Jesus mentioned it specifically found in the book of Matthew, found in the book of Mark and Luke. John uses a different de- definition. He talks about eternal life, but you'll soon come to know as we teach this over the next few weeks that eternal life is Actual part and essence is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Okay? So it's Jesus' central message. Therefore, it has to be the church's central message. But I grew up uh, with a gospel that was slightly smaller and actually it was a bit more mechanical and rules and boxed. And uh, we thought that the kingdom of heaven was somewhere you went when you died. And so my job, I really felt the pressure of a young evangelist. We used to knock doors and do all the really cringy stuff that you, we wouldn't advise today. Um, so we, we would, my job, I felt the pressure on me was to get argue people into heaven, literally. You know how that works don't you you always you always welcome people into the kingdom by arguing people into heaven so how does that work for you it doesn't don't try it and so i felt it was my job to argue people into the kingdom of heaven into salvation they needed to say a prayer they needed to come to church and it was my job solely to bring people to this to these professionals that stood on a on a platform and actually in our church we had special seats we had seats for the elders and if you made it onto the platform, you were something else, like you were really going places in this kingdom of heaven, which was Eller Church or heaven, we were a little confused about that. And so my job was to bring the people to the professionals and they would do this thing to them, argue them into the kingdom of heaven. I was so crazy that we, we would have this line, okay, let's try this, we, this is a great tool, try this Monday morning, wherever you go, tomorrow morning, wherever you're um, with kids, leaving your kids off to school, try this line, it always works, I find anyway. Uh, you, you go up to people, and this is, this is one of our taglines to, to argue people into heaven, and you would say to people, are you happy? They would say yes, which threw the whole thing. <laughs> and then you would say, no, you're not. They would say, yes, I am. No, 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 you think you're happy, but you're not truly happy. Uh, and usually they, you came away more disgruntled and unhappy, and they went away happy that they just annoyed you a little bit more. So that was one of the things that we did. Then I realized the whole story of the Bible is about heaven coming to earth. That transformed how we do church, how we think, and how we live. Jesus doesn't talk about going somewhere else. He actually talks about something coming towards us. It's his kingdom, his eternal life coming to earth. So we don't go somewhere. Actually, he comes... To where we live. That's always been the story of God. You find it right in the beginning of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, the book of the garden, and this is what we're going to talk about today, an invitation back to the garden, reimagining the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And as he talks about that, things start to take perspective. Things start to align themselves. Things start to come back into order. And this was, this changes the perspective of everything. If anybody ever heard of a guy called Galileo, he was an Italian physicist mathematician have you heard of him 1660 what did he do anybody heard of him anybody know what he did shout it out he changed our thinking yeah what did he change our thinking on heliocentricism you're familiar with that Yes, some smart people, me and you, in the room today. So yeah, it was about, he uh, developed this theory known as uh, Heliocentrism, which is the theory stated that it was the Earth and the planets that evolved around, they weren't stationary. That, I mean, did you you remember finding that out when you were younger and you thought, and all of a sudden you were, am I moving? <laughs> and all of a sudden you had vertigo? No? Just me? Okay. So what happened before that, um, most scientists, even the church had power in that day, a great deal of people had authority during that time and period, they believed that the earth was the center to the solar system. And that thing, and actually, until someone came around and said otherwise, his theory, his paradigm, it actually wasn't just some idea. This was something that actually shocked the world. It shocked the world. Everything changed from this moment. His theory had radical implications in science, astronomy, uh, physics and so on, and guess what? He was right. He was right. Why am I talking about that? Because oftentimes I feel that we miss the big story of God in the church, we miss the main story, the main story of the Bible because we're influenced by well meaning teachers, theologians, traditions, and local churches has taught us something else. Has taught us that the kingdom of God is the church, has taught us that the kingdom of God is somewhere that we go, and just like this guy. Galileo, when we hear the sound of the kingdom of God through the lens of the ancient scriptures, the central message of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who spoke spoken over 100 times, 106 times in the Gospels to be exact alone, when we start to hear the story as it should be told, then it's actually shocking. Its Implications changes everything. And I want to tell you that its implications of the kingdom of heaven actually do change science and everything else around us. It changes the way, it doesn't change science, it actually changes the way we think about things, about every sphere of life, our emotional life, our healthy life, our family life, our education systems. It changes everything and has huge implications. And Jesus told the story over and over again. It was the, the basic plot line for of the, of the Bible, this library. Is this making sense? Are you with me? Okay, somewhere, maybe. We'll push on and see if you're still here. The story of the kingdom changed everything for me. It happened on a plane to Portland, Oregon. I took a book, belonging to somebody, brought the book out of my bag, and it was the wrong book. This book that I had in my bag, for some reason, was a book by a guy called John Wimber. It was called Power Healing. Up until that time, I believed that the kingdom of heaven was the church. The kingdom of heaven was somewhere it actually went when we died. And I started to read this book written by this guy called John Wimber, way before I heard of Vineyard, way before we ever came to a Vineyard church, even before we knew of Vineyard churches or Vineyard worship or anything aligned to Vineyard. And so as I read this, it totally captivated my imagination. It captivated my heart. Things that I believed were being turned upside down. The central story was starting to change. And all of a sudden, things started to come into a line for my life. For the first time in my life, I understood that you could operate as a follower of Jesus Christ without being ordained, without having a label or any credentials, without having any ordination, that I, as a young man, could lay hands on the sick and see them recovered. It was also in this moment that I understood that not everybody gets healed. And before, I couldn't understand that we could live in a tension of people having power, experiencing power, and also people living in pain. People receiving the life of God and their lives being transformed physically, and also people who we loved, dearly prayed for, fasted for, invested in, and they would die. And for the first time, I didn't have to check my brains out. I could live in this tension of power and pain because of the central story of the kingdom of God. And we'll talk about that as we engage over the next few weeks and months. And so my vision for Vineyard Church in Ghana, when we planted it, this kingdom of heaven is, was going to be central. This message was going to be central. It was going to be the way we do things, the how we do things. It was the reason that we would pray, the reason that we would preach sermons and talks and do all these things. It was the reason that we would do community groups and small groups and all that. It was to be the reason we care for the poor, it's the reason we go on mission trips. It's the reason that we connect with youth and children. It's the central reason why we do everything. The reason why we do everything here in the vineyard is because of the message of the kingdom of God. And 15 years ago, Michelle and I sat down, over 15 years ago, we got an A4 piece of paper, and we started to write a dream and a vision. If I was a pastor of a church, it sort of went like this. We had to hand it in to the powers of B at that time, and this was our uh, this was our. Yeah, our offering to them and our actually our application form was an A4, A4 piece of paper. So I went out with our overseer at that time, who's Jamie Waters from Glasgow, and I said, Jamie, what do I need to do? It's as simple, write me a five-year plan and then come back to me. So Michelle and I sat down. Did we manage to fill one A4 piece of paper? One and a half sides, not bad. Okay. And the vision for, the, for what we had then is still the vision today that we would plant a church That hasn't changed. And my vision, and Michelle's vision, and our vision was to train the church in the things of the kingdom. How we do that. To teach the people about the kingdom of God. The central message of Jesus. And how we would build culture around the kingdom of God. And I would suggest, and I'm going to make a big statement this, this morning but we're going to come across the scripture just right in the next few minutes, a couple of minutes. So you want to turn, if you want to thumb your way through the Bible, if you're new to the ancient scriptures at all, there's this brilliant index like any other book. It has content, it has index, it tells you where the book is, the chapter is, and it tells you what page number that book begins on. Slightly different from any other book that you read where it has chapters. this book that we, I don't call it a book because it's not a book, it's books, okay? But if you go to the content of this library, it'll tell you where you go to that page. So go and find Mark. Can you go ahead and go, go and find Mark? And I'll try and remember what I was just saying t- to you all. Yeah, so this is our central message. This, is, this changes culture, practices in everything that we do. And when Jesus came, this was the one thing that changed everything. This statement in Mark chapter 1 changed everything. So how we build the kingdom. What is kingdom culture? Well, it's, kingdom culture is how we do life. It's how we do family. It's, how we, it's our personal life. It, it affects everything. Every sphere of our life. Every little piece of our life. And so we begin this morning's conversation. Are you ready? Episode one. Sorry, season one. Episode one. I'm trying to be culturally relevant. How's it working? Cheesy or what? Season one. Episode one. The good news according to Jesus. The good news according to Jesus. We're going to talk about that good news. We would know it as another word called gospel. I've talked about this uh, many times <clears throat> over the last two months. And I want to say it again. If you were a first century Judean living in Palestine, you heard the word gospel, you would hear, hear the word Evangelio. Say that. It sounds Italian, doesn't it? Sounds like it should be an ice cream. Do you want to try it? Let's go. Evangelio. Okay. There's, there's, are you speaking in tongues or are you just like just doing that one word? Do you want to try it one more time? After three. Three. Evangelio. Evangelio. Was, it wasn't a soft, fluffy word, the gospel. It wasn't that you say a prayer and you get into heaven. It was a military word, a very politically charged word. And we're coming across it now in Mark 1, chapter 15. Oh, sorry, Mark 1, verse 15. Are you there? Let's go to verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of what? The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the... Good news, Evangelio, Evangelio. So Jesus, when he's arrested, when, sorry, not when he's arrested, when John, the is arrested, Jesus comes with this announcement. And it's this word, good news. And it would later describe the message and the life and the death and the resurrection of King Jesus. And this good news would impact the entire world right into this present day. So that was Mark 1. 14 to 15. The good news according to Jesus, as we just read, is the message of Jesus is that the kingdom of God has come. So the good news of the gospel is in every way, not in some way, in every way connected to the good news of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. They're, they're, they're one, they're linked. Matthew 4, 23 to 25. Do you want to go there? Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of what? the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics. And he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the capitalist Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Flick over to Luke chapter 8, 1-3. to I'll we'll give you a second to do that, so I take a drink. Luke chapter 8, 1 to 3. Shout when you're there. Good. Are you all there? Good. Soon afterwards he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the Kingdom of God. Twelve were with him, as well as some woman who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities who provided for them and out of their resources. This is a complete side note, but I want to bring it out nonetheless. This is such a political statement. You just read that and you miss, miss, the, miss the, the power and the opportunity to see that this gospel, this good news, pulls down the patriarchal society in that time. You, you think that's just in there by chance, you see. In that time, when writers were writing and Hebrew thinkers were thinking, they would never put woman down as disciples, except in this book of Luke. And Luke goes out of his way, makes it very blazing obvious And he calls his woman, you're reading this, if you're reading this in that culture, in that time, there's no way to get away from the fact that these people are solely disciples of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and their woman. Anyway, that's by the side note. Jesus included woman as disciples. Don't you just love Jesus? He's the best thing, isn't he? Stay with me. Acts 1, 1 to 3. Now, we've gone through the Gospels in the first book. And that was the first book was Luke that was written, it said, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning, all that Jesus did from right from the start, right from the beginning, until the day that he was taken up, ascended into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is dependent on earth on the Holy Spirit as we are the church today, to the apostles whom he had chosen, we sang about that this morning in our creed, our confession, after his suffering he presented himself alive um, to them by many convincing proofs. Appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about... What's the central message? What is he banging on about again? He's speaking about the kingdom of God. To the book, to the end of the book. Paul. He said he lived there, sorry, Acts 28, 30. Let me just go there very quickly, 30 to 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and he welcomed all who came to him. So he kept open house. Hospitality open in his house. You can't get past it. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. So I just want to say again, just as our intro, series one, episode one, good news has something to do with the kingdom of God. Would you agree? Good news has something to do with the kingdom of God. First, it's an announcement. And by an announcement, I just mean it's not just talked about or discussed, it's actually declared. See, we love to talk about the kingdom of heaven, but in fact, when Jesus said the kingdom is here, he actually demonstrated and proclaimed that the kingdom of God was active among them. That's why it's kind of confusing. When you talk about, when we read about the Gospels, when we, not read about the Gospels, when we read in the Gospels that the central message of Jesus was the kingdom of God, and then we see what he preached, it's kind of confusing because Jesus went around preaching the kingdom of God. What was his preaching? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, cast out demons. That was his preaching. He actually just didn't proclaim and discuss and teach. He actually demonstrated the powerful work that when the kingdom of God comes, there is impact, there is power, and the resources of heaven, that future life, come into our present day reality. Isn't that good news? Who would not want to be a follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? If you're waiting to go to heaven, if you've prayed the prayer and you're just waiting to go to heaven and you think that's all is for you, then you've missed out on this adventure, thrilling, exciting story of the kingdom of God that we all get to partake in and we all get to pronounce and announce. Isn't it good? I, I love this stuff. You'll you, you figure that out. This is what I love. This is what I love. So he announced it. It's an announcement. He went around saying that, that God was changing things, that God was now in charge. That's the central message. Imagine what it would be like, okay, uh, imagine, let me stretch your imagination. Imagine in the United Kingdom, the Prime Minister just pulled a stunt. Impossible. Or uh, So I don't get any emails. Let's go to the United States, because we love to pick in them, don't we? Imagine if without election or any official mechanism uh, for changing government, that someone went on to national radio, television... Sky News, BBC, Fox, whatever, CNN, to announce that there's now a new prime minister, there's now a new president. From this day onwards, says the announcer, we have a new ruler. And that's not exciting talk. That's fighting talk, isn't it? It's like you can't do that. It's treason. sedition. It's unthinkable. See, when a regime is already in power and simply transferring that power to the next person, then that announcement would happen. That's a given, right? That's what happens in the political world. Are you with me? You following the line? If, if things, if, if the systems already set up and you're just transferring power to the next person, succession of the next person, well, our nearest to it, that's just. Let's talk about how we do it. Our nearest in this country recently was Theresa May stepped down, and because of their system, they set up that they would vote within, and that the next person gets charged. So that wasn't like a revolution. That wasn't a a mad concept, Ted. That's just what you do. And then we would call that just a campaign starts. New things start to happen, right? But this is what N.T. Wright says. He says... Jesus' teaching, his celebrations were part of the meaning of God becoming king. Jesus came and he announced that I'm in charge, that God's in charge. The way that the systems, the political systems, the way that society was working well, guess what? I'm in charge. And so you can see, in some way, it was a little antagonistic, right? So this gospel of Jesus Christ is not some watered down sort of light based sort of philosophy of do I believe it, do I not believe it. You're either in or you're not. You're either offended or you're actually pursuing this radical kingdom of heaven. That's what it does. It stirs something in your heart. There's no sitting on the fence. There's this man who has come from Nazareth out of Bethlehem who's declaring God is now in charge. You have heard it said, Hail Caesar. And soon, and months and weeks and years ahead, you're going to hear a new regime. You're going to hear a new political statement. And it's Jesus Christ is Lord. And that changes everything. It's fight and talk. And when I mean fight and talk, I mean that we are pushing back our real enemy. Not the political enemy, but the enemy of our soul. The enemy of our culture called the devil. And every act of kindness Every bended knee, every kind word, every giving of our resource, every healing of the sick, every cleansing of people who have been outcast is the participation of the reborn people saying Jesus Christ is Lord. Ah, it's so good, isn't it? So before we talk about what it means, the kingdom of God, let me first. Describe what it is. I think you've already caught it, but I just want to just a little more. There's a brighter man than me called Dallas Willard. I'd encourage you to read any of his stuff. He has a brilliant book called The Divine Conspiracy. Anybody ever read it? Okay. Talk to our staff in Amazon. Glad they help you. Straight after this celebration. He says, To gain deeper understanding of our eternal king of life, Sorry, our eternal kind of life in God's present kingdom. Let me say it again because I want to get it clear. To gain deeper understanding of our eternal kind of life in God's present kingdom, we must be sure to understand what a kingdom is. And we should get it because here it is. Every last one of us has a kingdom or a queendom. I thought that was funny. Or a government. All of us, you, me, not just the political powers that are. But us, we all have a kingdom. We all have our wee kingdoms, our we empires. I'm king of my life. You're queen of your life, you know. We, we have our, our government. I'm in, I'm in charge. I'm the boss. So that's a kingdom. Do you understand? That's what it means to, for the kingdom to operate. What happens is that the realm that is uniquely our own, where our choice determines what happens, where our choice determines what happens, our kingdom is simply the range of our effective will. We all have a will. We all have an effective will. Whatever we genuinely have to say over is our kingdom. Whatever we have to say over anything is our kingdom. And our having to say over something is precisely what places us within our kingdom. Does that make sense? Whatever we have to say over something, it places us, places that kingdom. It, 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 it's actually an, a function of that kingdom. Whatever we have to say over, then we have that kingdom in our life. In other words, we all have influence over our stuff, don't we? Except our taxes. We have our own little kingdoms, my kingdom, my area of life. I'm just bringing it down to, to everyday living where I'm in charge, my body, I'm in charge of it, my thoughts, believe it or not, my habits, my routines, my home, sort of sharing with another person, the garden, my work, those are all, those little, those are all the things that I have charge over. Or let me, let me bring it to a, maybe a clear picture. What is the kingdom of God? Rich Nathan, brilliant guy, Columbus, Ohio, Vineyard. He said, what are we Christians praying when we pray in the Lord's Prayer? You know the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy... What are we actually praying? What, what is that actually saying? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, very simply, the kingdom of God is what things would be like if Jesus ran everything and if his will was done everywhere. I love the simplicity of that definition, the kingdom of heaven. So we have our own kingdoms or queendoms. We have the things that we're in charge of, the things that we have say over. Those are the the kingdoms in our life. But this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. when, When we actually live our lives, when the world actually sees that Jesus is in charge. What would it be like? What would things be like if Jesus was in charge? When we pray your kingdom come, we're saying that we want this situation to be like it as if he was here. Or we want the situation to be like, just like Jesus would like it to be. How would Jesus think about it? If he was in charge, if his will was done. So when we say the kingdom has come, then we are saying that, God, you're running the show. You're running the show, Jesus, for president, Jesus, for prime minister. That's what we're actually saying. Jesus, you run the entire show. And everything changes in that moment. God's kingdom is what life would look like if God was in charge. God's kingdom is what life would and should look like if God was in charge. Now, therefore, we have to bring that down, drill that down to our everyday ordinary lives, the decisions we make, the choices that we make, even how we do church. What are we about? How does this community function? What's the outflow of this church like? Then it should look like as if Jesus was in charge. Orphans, what would it look like if Jesus was in charge? Abuse, what would it look like if Jesus was in charge? Greed, consumerism, what would it look like if Jesus was in charge? What would it look like? So the good news of Jesus is God's rule, his reign, here and now. Jesus is saying, good news, God is now in charge. That's the way it looks like, this is how it should look like. And then when you repent, you see, when, when Mark 1, 14 and 15 tells us to repent, change the way that we think, then that becomes a whole different thing in our minds and our thinking and our understanding, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden we're saying, there's a new government in town, there's a new God in town, there's a new boss in town, somebody else is in charge. Therefore, we need to repent. We need to change the way that we think, and we need to turn away from the way that we're living. That's why you would constantly hear Jesus in the Scripture say, you've heard it said, but I say, because there's a new government come. There's a new way to live. How are we doing? You sure? Good. Before I touch any more on this, I want to highlight and address some theological issues that we might have in our heads and our hearts that are with us. When I say God's in charge, what I mean is he has a power and he has authority. But I don't mean he controls everything. All right? He doesn't control every outcome, and you might be getting slightly nervous about that. Oh, no, no, God's sovereign. See, when we make statements that God's sovereign, we don't want to engage our minds and our brains and our intellect. I meet Christians all the time, and then it's just, uh, that's just, just the will of God. Just the will of God. And they don't want to change anything, don't want to do anything. It's just the will of God. It's, it's more K sera, Sarah theology than it is kingdom of God. It's more touchwood theology, just in case, than it is kingdom of God. You might say, well, isn't God in charge of everything? I would say no. Because if he was, there wouldn't be hunger. Wouldn't be hunger. If he had his will fully to the limit and his rule and reign, would there be human traffic or genocide? Do you think there would be? No. Don't be nervous. Would there be racism? Would there be isms of any sort? Would there? No. No. Suicide, depression, anxiety. Do you think that's the will of God for your life? No. And yet we still have it here on the earth, right? Last I looked. Come on, church. Relax. I'm not tricking you. See, these are the realities, the places and the peoples and the systems. This is what happens when we fail to come under the rule of King Jesus. When we live in a post-Christian culture, and by post-Christian culture I mean when we want the benefits of the kingdom without the king, things get weird and wacky. And we live in a post-Christian culture here in Ireland, believe it or not. I mean, many people who want the reality of the kingdom, the expression of the kingdom. But they don't want King Jesus. They don't want him in charge. They don't want him to be boss. They don't want his rule in reign. They don't want his effective rule in their life, in their schools, in their political systems, in their health systems, in their entertainment systems, in their isms, or anything else. They want the effects of the kingdom. They want justice. They want peace. They want affluence. They want flourishing. They want good education. They want good systems in place. They want families together. They want kids safe. But they don't want King Jesus. And you can have king jesus if you can't have king jesus you can't have the kingdom is what i'm saying they both go hand in hand they both go hand in hand that's a mystery of the kingdom of god it's here but it hasn't replaced every other small kingdom and you don't need to go on a theological extravaganza to work this out think about your own personal life does king jesus actually have every rule and reign in your life in your kingdoms think about it. Do you have little kingdoms that King Jesus just doesn't get into? What are they? Consumerism. Racism. All those things. Materialism. Are they kingdoms? Yeah. They're principalities actually. They're powers. Not all principalities of the devil or demons. Principalities and powers can be good things too. Right? Romans tells us that. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. He talks about the principal powers, angels and demons. That's good and bad, right? So everything's a principality. It just depends where you live and how you allow Jesus to influence your life. So the will of God is being done. But so is the will of sinful men and women, people like you and me making stupid mistakes, forgetting who we are, forgetting what we carry, forgetting whose we are. When we do that, we we forget who we are. And and so what happens is really we're in this age of running on parallel tracks, okay? There's parallel tracks. And the central train is the kingdom of heaven, right? That's where we want to be. But what's happening, there's there's this central track of the kingdom of God being done. Are people being healed today? Yeah, you can't deny that. There's, there's medical evidence of people being healed by supernatural power. We call that, not, not some faith healing, we call that divine healing. Only God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Is that happening today? Are people still dying? Yeah, yeah. Are people being set free from their addictions today? Do you know anybody being set free from their addictions? Yeah? Wave at me if it's happening because I'd love to see some evidence of it. Yeah? Is it happening? Anybody being set free from anything in their life? Yeah? And we still know people that are trapped in addictions. That's a parallel of this attention that we live in. The kingdom of God, his rule and reign. And then when he comes back, there's going to be a, there's going to be one track, a monorail. Can I use that word? Is that a word? Good. Good one, Jason. All use. kind folk who are listening on social media, there is such a word as monorail. And that's what our world is going to run on when Jesus returns. When his will is done. So Jesus, just he didn't come to announce the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom. From whatever angle you look at Jesus, he was concerned not just with the outward structures, but the realities that would involve the entire person, the entire community. There's no point in putting the world the right way. We still have broken bodies and broken people. Some things that we need to do. So broken people will be healed. Right? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Broken people can't be healed? Epileptics, demoniacs, people with horrible skin diseases. All that stuff happened and is happening. And it's built around this message of the kingdom of God, The kingdom of God, the kingdom of the gospel. And so when Jesus announces this. He announces it and then he demonstrates it. And it changes life. It, it, it includes everything. He announced it. He proclaimed it. And Jesus invited people into a kingdom experience. Not a theological theory, but an actual experience. I sat down yesterday. This is how it works out in our world. So half time yesterday, things weren't going too good at this fuss okay? So it's a kingdom not yet come. We still live in a broken world. My broken world is being beat 2-0 at time. That's brokenness, right? So I'm sitting in, I'm talking to this guy in a, in a bar area, half time. And we started, again, for no reason, he just starts to talk about Northern Ireland and Christianity. And he's not a Christian. And he starts to talk about, he says, I can't live my life by the rules. And in fact, he said, anybody who's just living their life the by these rules in this book, he's talking about the Bible, he says, it's just nuts. It's just crazy. It's just, it's just a narrow minded way to live. In one way, he's actually right. Because if we reduce the kingdom of God to just getting people into heaven, and there's some theory, he's absolutely right, because then all we can do is line up programs, rules, and regulations, and you live your life by that. But if we truly see the kingdom of heaven as for what it's like, it was just this great sermon prep yesterday for me. So I said to him, hey, what if it was more than that? what if it was more than rules and regulations? And he said, what do you mean? I said, what if this God who came to earth actually be- became the boss, became the king, and he was in charge, and everything changed? How we live our lives. And we didn't live our lives just by the rule book. But we actually experienced this kingdom, brought it into our lives, into our everyday world, and we started affecting society for good. And you know what he turns around and he says, I could live with that sort of vision. Those are the very words of a non-church-going person to me yesterday in a bar. He said, I could live with that vision. Well, the good news is that's the vision of the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God is not something that we go out to reach for. It actually comes in by invitation. By invitation from King Jesus. He invites us into it. And when he invites us into it, everything changes. Our world becomes his world and his world becomes our world is that okay i think i'm running out of time are you running out of energy you're like what do i say it's awkward he's got a mic (laughs) i'll just hurt him and offend him if i say yeah enough's enough jason i'm just trying to think how much more we can go and i'm thinking what should we end it here okay, I'm going to land it. Seriously, because I've got way too much. What if, what if we allowed ourselves, this is radical, what if we allowed ourselves, Finnear, to, to allow our hearts to get excited around this message? What if we actually lived in the power of the Spirit and we began to rethink good news? What if we did that? Because here's the thing, good news, it's not about something that happens when you die. It's not about knowing the right things. You're living by the rule book, as the guy said yesterday. you trying to live his life to the book, to the rules and to the regulations of what you can't do. But what instead, we started to rethink this kingdom of God theology. Because I want to tell you what it's about in practice rather than theory. It's about here and now. It's about Monday morning. Right? It's about everything that we engage with. It's about Monday morning. It's about the single mother of three children learning to breathe in the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. She parents her children with the power of God in an ordinary time and place in rented accommodation in Dungannon. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. It's about the school teacher stewarding his or her life to empower God's reign in the classroom. Prophesying, edifying, building up future, now leaders with the mindset of the kingdom. A mindset that just doesn't go after affluence and wealth, but actually sees injustice discrimination, and a way of life that should be. That's a kingdom imagination. Can you imagine a schoolteacher with the imagination of the kingdom stewarding that authority in a classroom on a Monday morning on the 2nd of September, 2019? How good is that? How good is that? It's about the nurse expanding the father's heart to patience. With love and kindness and compassion. That couldn't be orchestrated. By hyping yourself up. At a long shift. With extra coffee. Or an extra shot. But inviting. And being drawn into the invitation. That the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. But of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of talk. But it's a matter of power. And demonstration. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's about the businessman and the businesswoman, not just getting profit margins up, listen to me, but actually investing earthly wealth and resources in such a way that eternity is affected by its outcome. And that's real life. How does that look? Well, I'll tell you how it looks. It means maybe instead of investing more and trying to get the profits higher and higher, we take some of what we're making and we give it to those who have not. That's what real politics is about. Speaking on behalf of the voiceless and those who don't have. So that's what it looks like for the businessman and the businesswoman that we take the earthly substance stuff and we turn it into some kingdom significance that we may never be thanked here on this side of eternity but someday on this new earth, when he returns, that one day we'll have a thank you from somebody because of these natural resources that we invested in an eternal perspective and an eternal reality that someone's life has changed for the better. And that's what it looks like. Everything changes. Not just how we do spirit life, not just how we do prayer meetings, not just how we read scripture or how we go to church. Those things are important, pivotal, and central to everything that we do here at Vineyard Church. But it changes how we spend our resources, how we work, how we date, how we parent, how we look after the planet. It changes everything here and now. Season 1, Episode 1, The Good News According to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We're going to practice something this morning. Would you stand with me?